Welcome to the Healthy Returns Podcast, where I sit down with founders, investors, and executives innovating in health tech, fitness and wellness, and human performance. My guest today is Callie Means, co-founder of TrueMed. In today's episode, we discuss incentives in healthcare, the cost of eating healthy and living well, and the rapidly growing rates of chronic disease. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's episode. You know, I was wondering if you could first maybe talk me through your background and what led you to starting TrueMed? So I was specifically curious about if it was whether something anecdotal or mm. if you're just coming at it more of a perspective of, look, the current healthcare system is very reactive and, you know, you kind of follow the more proactive mindset. My background is I, I, I went to Stanford, studied economics, um, really wanted to be in politics and help the political process. My sister's my best friend. She uh, was at Stanford right at the uh, year above me and uh, was a medical field. So she was crushing the medical classes, Stanford Med School, surgical residency. Um, so I didn't really think much about health. Actually, early in my career, I consulted for pharma, for food companies. Um, I basically went between campaigns and consulting. Um, and, you know, I've been talking about how, in retrospect, some of the things I was working on was pretty crazy. I mean, it was helping pharma companies make sure opioid prescriptions were and standards were lax and then helping food companies make sure, you know, government subsidies went to, to soda, you know, the, uh, talked a lot about the food stamp program. Um, the number one item purchased uh, is soda and we're the only developed country in the world that enables our, you know, um, low income nutrition program to uh, subsidize in our case, it's 70% ultra processed food and 10% of all uh, SNAP funding goes to soda. Um, so I actually helped uh, make sure that policy stayed in place um, mm -hmm. by paying off doctors, by paying off trusted groups. So got out of politics, kind of, kind of became cynical, had been doing startups the past uh, 10 years. A couple instances personally brought me on this mission. So my sister, who I mentioned abruptly after over a decade of training, left the medical system because she became so cynical about how she was only taught to manage illness after people got sick, not to, not to make people healthy. At Stanford Med School, she didn't take one nutrition class and 80% of doctors graduate today without one nutrition class. They just learn how to prescribe a pill or do a procedure once somebody's already sick. So she's become a big metabolic health advocate. And a couple of years ago, as my sister was on this journey, my mom abruptly was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Her oncologist said that was unlucky, but she, you know, for the past 40 years, you know, has had uh, pre-diabetes, was on metformin, um, high cholesterol, stand, high blood pressure, you know, this host of, she's on five different medications and actually called healthy by the medical system. You know, those were all warning signs leading up to her pancreatic cancer. I think that really brought home this idea that siloing diseases is, is really, I think the biggest problem where we we've lost our way in medicine. Doctors have to choose one specific area for the rest of their life. You know, we treat diabetes, heart disease, cancer, depression, all these conditions as separate. They're very related. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the science is clear on that, but that's not how doctors are taught. That's not how the medical system works. So that's really through those experiences um, is the mission I'm on to, and my sister's on to, we need to have a more, what I call metabolic view, a, a view that there's a root cause to 85% to of US deaths are tied to uh, preventable lifestyle conditions um, that are all connected, but we don't see them as connected right now. I was wondering if you had thought about early interventions in children and if, if TrueMed, you know, focuses on, on that side at all. You know, these insights and kind of this idea that we need to bring um, 
that we need to bring medicine more to a root cause framework. It led me to think about how do we actually change incentives? So, you know, with kids, right, 30% are pre-diabetic, 50% are overweight or obese, you know, adults is much worse. I just don't think that everyone's trying to like kill their kids and kill themselves and suffer. Like, I think there's systemic problems. And I think the big one is that healthcare only kicks in to manage disease once you're sick. That, that you know, once you're healthy, the healthcare system doesn't make money. That's how it works. So, so true, Matt, what I asked is, how do we actually use the current payment levers of the system to actually promote healthy behaviors? So what our company does is we seamlessly write uh, doctor's notes um, that recommend supplements, exercise, healthy food, and that unlocks HSA, FSA spending. So if you have a doctor's note, you know, for exercise, you can actually buy your Peloton tax free, save 30, 40% or, or your gym or whatever. Um, you truemed.com, we have more information on that, but like in the payment flow of leading brands where we enable tax-free, um, FSA, HSA spending. So that, that's what we're trying to do we need to do these simple things to, 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 to just let people basically use medically medical advantage dollars to stay healthy. Um, uh, if we can change incentives, I think that really chips away at things. It's funny that, you know, you, you mentioned it's like, there has to be a shift in incentives in order for people to almost like become healthy, like through the medical system. Like it's very counterintuitive, right? Cause you'd think that medical system is there for, for us to, you know, become healthy and stay healthy. Where did the idea of coming at, you know, this issue from, uh, I guess a tax advantage and, uh, you know, tax spending advantage, you know, angle come from. I think you make a great point. You would think that the goal of the healthcare system is for people to be healthy. And it's it's not. Um, if the goal was for people to be healthy, then the deans of medical schools, the head of the NIH, would be ringing an alarm bell that you know we shouldn't be uh, pushing sugar on kids, this addictive drug. But instead, ninety five percent of the USDA panel that oversees nutrition guidelines actually uh, is conflicted with food companies, is paid by food or pharma companies. And still to this day, we say that a two year old that ten percent of their diet can be added sugar, which is just to me, the most criminal policy, you know, yeah. I could think of. But yeah, it, it comes from a, I think there's a lot of cynicism that's embedded about the patient uh, in, in medical school. You know, my sister talked about it at Stanford, you know, there's this image that's, that's, that's per perpetrates throughout medical school and medical professions that patients are going to be lazy, that patients are going to drink their Cokes, their Big Macs, and they're going to just make mistakes in the medical profession stands ready with a scalpel and a prescription pad uh, to clean up the mess. I think that's a very self-serving formulation. I just think evolutionarily, rationally, like humans don't want to kill themselves yeah. uh, in mass systematically. Um, but I think dopamine is really powerful. And I think our food and a lot of our culture, um, a lot of our institutions have been kind of weaponized human psychology um, to make things addictive, you know, when sugar consumption goes up 100x in 100 years, um, and our food is weaponized and, and really genetically engineered to uh, be addictive, which it is, then we have an addiction problem, you yep. know, I, I, that's, that's really what, what food is. So what, what you know, and, and then, and then it shows in like the prices, you know, economics, you know, uh, dictate and incentives dictate everything. So, you know, when you go and buy into uh, the market, a Coke is often cheaper than a water because the Coke is subsidized so much. You know, it's it's very cheap to buy fast food, but it's expensive to buy organic broccoli. Um, you know, all these things are kind of out of whack. So that's where we came from it at. How do you change those, just, just the, the dollar incentives? Um, 
my my partner who I started this with uh, before started Kettle and Fire, which is a leading bone broth company. And he uses, you know, grass-fed uh, bones, you know, organic ingredients, you know, and creating healthy food was expensive, right? I mean, he, you know, he had to charge a couple of dollars more than, you know, um, companies that cut corners. What we're trying to do is for good companies like that, bring the curve down, bring, bring the cost more to parity, which will drive people to eat more healthy food, to, to exercise more, if you can subsidize those things. And there's a tool to do that with the FSHSA. Yep. You know, I'm very cynical about pharma. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they have rigged a lot of healthcare laws, but they couldn't create the definition of medicine to just be a, a, a pill, right? Uh, the definition of medicine is something a doctor says can reverse or prevent a condition. And unfortunately, most doctors don't prescribe food and exercise because, as I said, most of them don't even take one nutrition class. But any doctors actually following the science uh, should absolutely be prescribing, you know, basic vitamins, food, exercise, uh, things like that, which we're doing. I think the way that you're coming at this, there's a lot of potential to impact people's lives and not only impact people's lives, but impact them at scale which um, is also, you know, just a, a very commendable thing. So. I think we need to take health outside the doctor's office. I think yeah. we need everyone to have, you know, data on what's happening in their body, CGMs and this, I, I believe in this new biowearable revolution. Mm-hmm. And then they need to basically um, be incentivized to do the thing that really keeps them healthy, uh, which is basic. I mean, you know, I think we overcomplicate health so much, but it, you know, the more you dig in, it's just basic stuff. It's sleep, exercise, food, things like that. It's very interesting when you talk about like those, those wearables, um, where I guess some of these companies are start, they start by marketing to, you know, the Ironman runners and like the endurance athletes, but then if you think about it, the people that will get the most use from them and that will, you know, that it could potentially cause this like inflection point in someone's health span. It's, you know, people that maybe aren't focusing, you know, just on basic nutrition, basic sleep. How do you see the, like uh, taking some health classes? Like what what are your observations? I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a a great question. In kind of my, like in my coursework, like I've basically like adopted this mindset of everything boils down to your nutrition, everything boils down to your sleep, everything boils down to, you know, your lifestyle habits and, you know, exercising and whatnot. So that's kind of where I stand on it. And in terms of, in terms of CGMs, you know, I, I'm really bullish on them. I think it's truly like the, uh, you know, the future of diabetes care in this country. And I think it will, it will do a lot of people good. I I just had, I I had a, you know, just a couple more questions. Um, one big, one big one I had. So, you know, I think, well, so while I was doing a little more, more research about your background and, and TrueMed, um, you know, came across your, your personal website and it, it outlined plans to, you know, write this book and then kind of start this daily newsletter sort of thing where you're, where you're continuously educating people. So again, does that come from identifying like a serious need for education in this space? Like, are you coming from a place that is that more to just, you know, kind of work in tandem with with TrueMed or is it kind of a separate entity or how does that kind of work? You know, I obviously come from a, you know, I'm not a medical background and worked for these companies and then became very passionate about this with my sister and my mom and wanted to really, wanted to devote my life to this. Uh, my organizing kind of thing was I wanted to devote my life to changing the incentives of healthcare. Um, and I think the biggest problem in the country is that most, almost every institution that touches our health makes more money when people get sick, which is what's happening. Mm-hmm. 
So I actually started by creating content um, and just speaking about my passion on that. And then I actually met a guy that I now started TrueMed with. The content was kind of a way for me to get my head around the issue and, and get started. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, TrueMed came out of that. So I see it as, as, as at the highest level. I, I just, I do think that there, I, I see my, I don't know. I, I think there's just thousands of people of soldiers that are needed to chip away at this. You know, I'm trying to speak out um, from my perspective, seeing, I guess, the rig system um, and, and seeing uh, pharma and food lobbyists, you know, um, you know, watching food companies pay millions of dollars for studies that they knew were fraudulent um, and seeing pharma companies, um, you know, frankly, medical associations take money from food and pharma companies to you know, in the American Academy of Pediatrics case now saying that uh, 12 year olds should be an Ozempic instead of eating healthy. Um, you know, I watch and I'm trying to expose that, but I see it all as concentric circles. I mean, that's the problem. I'm, you know, working to speak about that, uh, tweet about that, talk on podcasts, write a newsletter. Um, and then TrueMed is the way to solve that. Where where else do you see there um, being a need and there being, you know, maybe a, like room for innovation and improvement in terms of you know, like the food is medicine movement, um, you know, just focusing on lifestyle behaviors and um, sleep, of course, I think sleep more, there's, there's a lot of technology at this point out there and a lot of literature backing the importance of sleep. But where do you kind of see, um, you know, there being like a need for innovation? I think a couple areas, I think data is really important. I think, you know, people have a CGM and see that their blood sugar is spiking all the time from what they're eating to dangerous levels. I think that changes behavior. So I think, you know, if I was thinking about, and this is how I was thinking about companies, like, I think we are early on that, like enabling patients and data kind of curve. Mm -hmm. I think eventually, you know, having um, an app of some sort that's connected to your real-time health data, you know, could give better, uh, you know, connected to AI or could give better recommendations to the doctor um, and much more real-time. So I think that's an interesting space. And I think the trillions of dollars we spend on healthcare are going to move more to a personalized database you know, one-on-one -on -one AI driven model. I think there's like incredible amount of pain points among customers. I mean, they're not being served well in the health space. Mental health is a disaster. People are worried about their health and their parents' health more and more. The medical system isn't working. So there's a lot of customer appetite to, you know, buy things that help their sleep, that help their nutrition, things like that. So the way, you know, creating anything that can help people, you know, save money or give them the right answer or make it easier for them to, to be healthy. Um, I, I just think there's a tribe you know, that's listening to podcasts, that's buying very wearables, the best-selling books are around help and now. I mean, I just feel like there's a way, there's, there's, there's just a growing, my framework was how do you save people money on being healthy? I think that's important. I think, I think we're fighting against, you know, insurance companies, which only fund, you know, into the line treatments, basically. And then, you know, money matters and, and being healthy is expensive. So that, that's how we came up with the TrueMed idea. But I think I think there's a lot of ways to think about either making it more convenient or more or cheaper for people to be healthy. Spoken a little bit about, um, you know, your sister and obviously going through the, you know, medical school and then practicing as a, as a clinician and kind of seeing, you know, the, as, as you had put it, like the kind of cynicism of the healthcare system right. in that sense. Where do you think that, medical school educations can improve so that the next generation of, of physicians are, are not operating in this way of, you know, being, again, very reactive and having all these subspecialties where people are needed. 
I mean, you got to take the money out and you got to call that out. I mean, a huge chunk of medical school funding, Stanford, Harvard on down, come from pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical companies, you know, fund the bulk, you know, private companies fund the bulk of medical research, food companies spend 11 times more on nutrition research than the NIH. Um, the medical system and medical schools and medical research is unfathomably and just absolutely debilitatingly corrupt right now. The medical system is a miracle if you have an acute issue, if you have a gunshot wound, if you have a complicated childbirth, if you need emergency surgery, something like that. That's about 15% of medical costs. 100%, we should keep that. Yeah. But 85% of costs are around managing and preventing chronic conditions. Um, and that's been a failure. Uh, yeah. It's been it's made a lot of money, but it's been a failure. If we blew up that session tomorrow, we'd be healthier. So um, yeah, that's that. It's it's a, it's a slow road, but it starts with you know personal empowerment. Really, every person having the you know courage to not listen to the medical system, or at least make up their own mind when it comes to preventing chronic conditions, which are you know the bulk of medical issues. And then we we've got to just change the incentives. I, it, it all boils down to looking at an institution and asking, do they make money when people are sick? So, you know, that gets into policy around incentivizing actually outcomes and stuff like that. But we have we have to get as long as the largest industry in the company can only grow if more people get sick, then the visible hand will ensure more people get sick. Anyway, man, great stuff. I love what you're pursuing here. I think you really get it, man. And, uh, yeah. and you know, we need, you know, soldiers chipping away. Yeah, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Thanks, God. Bye.